0: Cause sometimes I be right. Hello! Welcome to that show! Got a few pressing topics today. How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? Is everyone excited? <laughs> I don't know why I came on there like a menace. You need to chill, my vibe is all wrong today. I'm like like medicine. <laughs> Perhaps it is that uh, that terrible Knicks performance last night. Look, this isn't... I'm not going to get into it in the show because it's very hard because, uh, like I said, I post... Um, this comes out on Thursday and it's once a week. So if I try to get into each individual game of the NBA playoffs, it'll be... By the time you hear it, there'll already have been a game. Like, I want to talk about the Lakers, but... If I do that, they have a game tonight. As I'm recording this, they have a game tonight. So when this comes out tomorrow, if I talk about what they did, I got to exclude game two, which happens tonight. It's good. You know, you get it. But I will just say, like, I, I went into the series with the Knicks and the Cavs saying that I thought the Knicks would win, but I thought Donovan Mitchell would go off and try to prove a point to the Knicks, seeing as they didn't trade for him last offseason. And I do feel like that was the place he wanted to go. And, uh, and they won game one. And Mitchell had a really good game, and I thought, "Oh, exactly what I thought it would be." And then Game Two, they they pressed the Knicks, they punched the Knicks in the mouth, and they folded. And uh, I went into the game thinking, "Oh, this isn't the same old Knicks. Like, regardless of whatever happens, they're going to continue to fight, and they're going to scrap, and they're going to be gritty, and they're going to this is this is great. And going forward, they're going to continue to build on this. This is awesome." And then they came out last night and looked just like the Knicks of old. So, I don't know. I want to buy into this team. I want to love this team. I keep saying to myself, why can't they make it to the finals? But every time I get really excited and allow myself to start believing in that potential, they come out and throw a stinker that make me say, what was I thinking? But anyway, let's get into it, man what up cyber family welcome back if this is your first time joining us welcome this is sometimes i'll be right i'm your host john Favre, reporting live from trash can studios as always joined by my co-host wally say what up wally <laughs> hopefully this week i am not tormented by a wasp in the studio as of right now doing a quick inspection i don't see anything i think we're all clear but you never know last week i didn't know if there was a wasp in here either i heard some buzzing i honestly thought it was one of the uh one of the one of the studio lights maybe crackling or whatever but it was a wasp buzzing up above my head um luckily he didn't attack me but then we got into a battle and just so you guys know I did I opened the door to the studio in the hopes that he would fly out um but he didn't he stayed in and we got into an intense 1 hour long battle and I won but that's not that's not why you're here you're here for the sports takes so let's get into it what I wanted to start with obviously is the biggest news of the week in my opinion because it it uh, trickles down into into so many different factors I want to talk about the Jalen Hurts contract uh newly signed five-year 255 million dollars 180 million guaranteed a good day making him as they say but you have to pay attention to the wording of nfl contracts it's all tricky the highest paid player ever in terms of per year right which just means if you break it down per year he's the highest paid but the way contracts work he gets like 110 at signing which makes it like his cap number is lower it's all tricky the nfl contracts are tricky But why this is so important is twofold. Number one, Jalen Hurts being the top paid quarterback, how do we feel about it? Do we feel it was deserved? Do we feel it was a little premature? Do we feel coming off a really good year he had that maybe we should have waited one more year just to see? Because you didn't get a discount, right? Like typically you would say, nope, get in there, sign him early. You know, maybe you can. You don't have to pay as much because if he goes out next year and does it again, the price tag goes up. But in reality, you still paid him top dollar anyway. So maybe you could have waited a year. And maybe if next year it doesn't quite look the same and he takes a little bit of a step back, you say, Ooh, okay, Well, now the price goes down. It's a gamble. But in my mind, if you were going to pay him top dollar regardless, then I guess it doesn't matter. Me personally, I wouldn't have been so quick to pay. I probably would have waited. I would have paused on it. But they did. The Eagles did, and congratulations to Jalen Hurts. I, I, my, my butthole clenches up <laughs> at the thought of signing my name on a piece of paper and having hundreds and millions of dollars deposited into my bank account the same day. Like the idea of that is so unbelievable. Makes me so giddy, like a child. The idea of like I can sign my name and within an hour there's twenty six million dollars in my. I will never have to worry about the price of something ever again in my life like that idea is that's what these contracts do to me I don't know about y'all but in my brain when I think about it what hits me the first thing that hits me is Jalen Hurts will never have to check the price tag of anything for the rest of his life it will not matter how much anything costs he has enough that's unbelievable but the reason why this is so uh, interesting to me and what it brings up now is we have a guy in Lamar Jackson who is still out there on the market, still available. If you want to give up two first round picks and also pay him what he is reportedly asking for. Now, a few weeks ago when he came out and said what he wanted, everyone said there was a there was a uh, nah, I shouldn't say everyone. There was a large group of people who said, pay him, pay him what he wants. He deserves it. He earned it. He earned it, pay him, pay him. He earned it, pay him. And I said, you can't pay him that much money. And I guess at the time, it doesn't really put it into perspective how much money he was actually asking for. Because we kept going off of the Deshaun Watson contract, who got $230 million guaranteed. Well, Jalen Hurts just signed the biggest con- He had $180 million guaranteed, and he's still $50 million short of what Deshaun Watson got. Which means he is fifty-one million dollars short of what Lamar Jackson's starting price is. Now, if that doesn't put it in perspective, how crazy a number Lamar Jackson is asking for, I don't know what is. So Lamar Jackson wants to be by far and away the highest paid quarterback in history. He wants it to be so far beyond that there is like he can't he's not even setting the market. He's like creating a whole nother side market. And I would ask the question because these two players, in my opinion, are very similar. They are very similar, dealing with a lot of the same things. Both coming out of college were considered better running options than they were pure quarterbacks. Both of them coming into the league had the question of could they develop a good enough game inside the pocket to win in the league? That was a question on both of them. Coming into the league, coming into last year, they both had packages in the offense which called for them to run. Right? So I say, okay, if these guys are similar, then they should be paid similar, right? Of course, it makes sense. Now, I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is better than Lamar Jackson, but I think he's bigger. I think he's physically bigger than Lamar Jackson. I think he'll hold up long-term better than Lamar Jackson. I think he's done things from within the pocket at a more consistent level that you could say going forward, I have more confidence he will end up being the better quarterback. I think if we're talking about how long their, their run can be, I feel like Jalen Hurts probably has a longer run. But I think they'll always be right around the same numbers, if I'm being honest. And I base that off of, okay, so let's look at it this way. My biggest knock on Lamar Jackson is his playoffs, how he performs in the playoffs. Well, Jalen Hurts is 2-2 two and two in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson is 1-3. One, one game difference. They both played the same amount of games. One game difference. One guy won, one one guy lost. When again, like I said, it's not all on the quarterback. A lot of factors go into it. Fine. Jalen Hurts has an 84.7 rating in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson has a 68.3. All right. Now I know what you say is, but "Yeah, but Lamar Jackson wins." Lamar Jackson has a career record of 49 and 21, 70%. Jalen Hurts, 23 and 11, 67%. They're close. They're very close. They they both win a lot of games. Now again, I'm not using the win loss record for the quarterbacks as crediting them. I'm just saying these are your arguments. So if you want to bring up the winning, Lamar does. He's 70 percent. Jalen Hurts, 67 percent. They're close. Not saying they're the same. I'm saying they're similar. Jalen Hurts for his career is completing 62 percent with a 92 quarterback rating. Lamar Jackson completing 64 percent with a 96.7. Again, not saying they're the same. Not saying Jalen Hurts is better. I'm saying they are similar. They're in the same ballpark. I don't think Lamar Jackson is far better than Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts is far better than Lamar Jackson. I think if Lamar Jackson is a six, I think Jalen Hurts is a five. Like they are close. They are very similar. I think if they swap teams, I think the result is the same. I think these guys are just like I used to say about Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, where I think they're very much similar guys. You're going to get a similar result. I think if Lamar Jackson's on the Eagles last year, I think they get to the Super Bowl just the same. And I think if Jalen Hurts is on the Ravens last year, I think they have the same success. I do. But now you go, Now you would point to, and some people would say, yeah, but Lamar Jackson's far better on the ground. Well, Lamar Jackson for his career is averaging 6.1 yards a carry. Jalen Hurts is averaging 5.2. They're similar. So now I present to you, if I have a similar quarterback. Very close in terms of win percentage, very close in terms of completion percentage, very close in terms of QB rating, very close in terms of in terms of playoff record, very close in terms of playoff rating, very close in terms of they both have good supporting cast, some in other ways more than others. You might say that Jalen Hurts has a far better receiving group, and I would say, yeah, but Lamar Jackson has the far better defense like they both have. They're very similar. Why then do you think that Lamar Jackson who is similar to to Jalen Hurts should be paid 51 million dollars more? Where does that make sense? It doesn't. Also this contract is interesting to me because there was rumblings and it was starting to come up and you could start hearing it if you looked if you paid attention there were rumblings of a racial component. In all of this, that the NFL, the good old boys club, is not going to let Lamar Jackson, a black quarterback, set the market. They didn't like that Deshaun Watson got that contract, and he's black, and they're not going to do that again. They're going to they're going to nip this in the bud. You started hearing that racial component swell up. Well, now Jalen Hurts is the highest paid quarterback in NFL, highest paid player in NFL history, and he's black. It's not a racial component. It's not a race thing. It's about availability. It's about production. And it's about the reality that, like I've been saying, I think all it comes down to is Lamar Jackson's, all of his highlights. If I, if I pull, if you went on YouTube and pulled up a highlight package of Lamar Jackson, what is the first play you're going to see? I promise you it's a running play. What is, what is 80% of that highlight package going to be? Lamar Jackson running. When you think of Lamar Jackson, what is the first thing you think of? Lamar Jackson running through the field. When you think about Lamar Jackson in college, what do you think about? You think about his Heisman run against Florida State. You very rarely think about Lamar Jackson and what he's done and think of great passes. You don't. I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying he can't develop. I'm not saying he's not a good passer. I'm saying when you think of Lamar Jackson, when you look at the greatest thing he does, it's run the ball. And if I'm going to pay you $240 million guaranteed, I can't have you running the ball. I can't have you risking injury. It's the reason why we don't want to pay running backs a bunch of money. It's the reason why now they say don't give a running back a second contract. Because if you run that much and you take that many hits, you're going to get banged up. Your your career is going to shorten. I'm not paying you an exorbitant amount of money when I know you're not going to be available. So good for Jalen Hurts. Lamar, take notes. You don't need to get an ungodly number in order to be the highest paid in the league. If Lamar Jackson went back to the, to the, to the Ravens and said, hey, let me get $181 million guaranteed. I think the Ravens might do it. I think they probably would. Five years, two hundred fifty five, million, $181 million guaranteed, making him the highest paid play. I think they would there's no disrespect here, there's no racist component here, there's no, we don't want you, we can do better than you, it's none of that, it's just, we're looking at, no, I can't give you 50 more million dollars than the highest paid player in the league, I can't do it, I think that was interesting, so over um, over the the winter, when the NFL offseason began and contracts started getting handed out, um, Daniel Jones got a really big contract. A what was it? A four year, one hundred sixty million dollar guarantee? Or not million? Not guaranteed. One hundred sixty million dollar contract, eighty million guaranteed. I believe it was. And I came in here and I said, "Dude, you can't sign Daniel Jones for that money. You got to put Daniel Jones on the franchise tag." And everyone said, "No, you can't franchise Daniel Jones." because you have to franchise Saquon Barkley because you can't let him go and we can't pay him big money so let's pay the big money to Daniel Jones the quarterback obviously and give Saquon the franchise tag and I said no give Daniel Jones the franchise tag and let Saquon Barkley walk his ass down the road and get a better deal if he could find one why am I keeping Saquon Barkley What's the benefit to me in that? Like, what has he done that makes me think I can't find similar production? How great is Saquon Barkley that I can't, like, he's irreplaceable. I would argue that he's very replaceable. But everyone looked at me and said, you're a hater and you're wrong and blah, 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 and you don't know what you're talking about. And Okay. And what comes out this past week? Well, Saquon Barkley has not signed the franchise tag. And apparently has no designs to do it anytime soon. He is not participating right now in some of the offseason programs. Which is not mandatory yet. But he's also not allowed to until he signs. Because he's not under contract as of right now. There's there's questions that he's very unhappy about the franchise tag. And wants a long term deal. Also, he is threatening to apparently not go for mandatory minicamps not participate in OTAs, and maybe even sit out all of training camp until he gets the contract. Oh, well, now Giants and Giants fans, you got yourself a problem. Because the reality is is you're paying Daniel Jones $40 million a year. But we all know that Daniel Jones isn't good enough to carry the Giants, which is why you told me some of his numbers weren't as great as they could have been because look, look who he's throwing to. Look at the team he has. Well, now that was my reason why I said you can't pay him that big money because once you pay him that money, well, now you don't have as much money to spread around to the rest of the team and now he has to do more with less. And Daniel Jones has done nothing to prove to you he is a guy who can do more with less. And one of the key players that he needs with him is, in fact, Saquon Barkley. But Saquon Barkley doesn't want to play under the franchise tag. Saquon Barkley wants a contract. Saquon Barkley knows, hey, without me, good luck with Daniel Jones. Without me, Daniel Jones, e I don't know what you're getting. And guess who else knows that? The Giants know that. So now where you are is you're stuck in a place where either, A, we get rid of our best weapon, like, 50% of our offense, like, we get rid of it. Just let it walk out. We don't care. We're done. We're moving on from you. Or B, you cave and say, man, we got to get Daniel Jones as much support as possible. Sign, sign him. Sign him. Even if it's a bad contract, whatever, front load it, and hopefully we can get out of it in two years at the same time as Daniel Jones. Or maybe we we give him the contract and then... Daniel Jones in two years doesn't look like what we want him to look like. We get rid of him, and we get a rookie quarterback, and I I, I don't know. What are you going to do? And I'm pretty sure the Giants are probably going to end up paying him, and they're going to overpay him. And let me tell you, as a Cowboys fan who watched this happen with Zeke Elliott, man, those running back contracts look real bad real fast, especially Barkley who has injury history, who you just know. Just pencil him in. I also, as a cow, again, I'm relating to you Giants fans as a Cowboys fan. Tyron Smith has been getting injured, left tackle for the Cowboys since uh, 2009, has pretty much missed two or three games a year for like the last eight years. You could just pencil it in. Just go into the season knowing he's going to miss about three games. You could do the same for Saquon Barkley. He's going to miss about two or three games every year. Just pencil it in. Build your game plans around the fact of here's what we're going to do with him. And here's what we're going to do when he inevitably is going to be out. That's not a knock. That's just a reality. Which is why I thought don't pay Daniel Jones. Franchise him. Or sign him to a lower number. So you would either A, have a little extra wiggle room to give Saquon maybe a less than desirable deal if you felt you needed to keep him. Or B, get rid of Saquon altogether pay Daniel Jones a little less, have a little more money just to build around. Y'all know me, in my opinion, in this draft, I'm going after running back. I don't think the Giants should have spent any money on a tight end in free agency. I don't think they should have traded for Waller. And I don't think they should pay Saquon. I think they need to go out there and they should have drafted a tight end and they should go ahead and draft um, a running back. Maybe even two. I think there's a lot of good running backs. A lot. A lot. So again, Giants, Giants fans, I I think you screwed yourself with this one. Also to me, it just says, did you not know who Saquon, did you not know that he might not want to play under the franchise tag? Did you guys not have conversations about the possibility he's not going to want to? Am I wrong? Is this not even about Saquon at all? Do you guys not even care if Saquon plays? Was this really just, you just felt like Daniel Jones deserved that contract? Either way, your game plan was I'm going to franchise the running back because we don't want to pay him long-term, but maybe we can get one more year out of him, draft a guy, and then go forward without him. But in reality, you're going to end up overpaying for your quarterback and having a running back who I, if I'm betting, if I'm a betting man, they're going to pay him. And they're going to regret it probably within nine games. It's going to be very obvious this contract is not going to age well. But hey, TV deals, right? Salary cap going up? Yeah, they keep talking about it. And what's happening with Aaron Rodgers? Still no movement? Still no word? If I'm the Jets, at what point do you just say, "We're, well, I'm done. I'm not even... At what... Come out and have a press conference. Say, listen, we're done with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. It hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. I'm done. How How many conversations do you need to have about the conversation? Hey, Packers, what do you want? No, we're not giving you that. What else? This is what we want. Well, we're not giving it. Okay, well... T- Like, (laughs) what is happening? It's so bad that ESPN's not even covering it anymore. Nobody's even asking the question, like, what's happening with this? Everyone's just like, eh, it's it's over. If something happens, we'll report it. It's wild, man. It's wild. So the next thing I wanted to get into is I want to transition. I want to move over to basketball. I said coming into this uh, postseason that the Lakers were the NBA's darling. They were there they, they were raving about the Lakers and how good they're doing and they look great and LeBron is LeBron, he's the GOAT, and Austin Reeves is oh my god, how good is he? And then you got Anthony Davis looks dominant. This is what you were hoping you'd get from him, and I said, All right, no excuses. Right? I said, if LeBron is the goat. And if we're going to use all this going forward, which I posted it. I posted it online. I asked the question, and, and the overwhelming response I got was, yeah, like when you're talking about someone's career, you have to use the whole thing. Well, okay. So everyone loves this. Everyone loves this team now. The media, oh, man, they're eating this up. They they win game one in Memphis, and like I said, game two is tonight. Uh, it hasn't been Word hasn't come out yet whether Ja Morant, who hurt his his hand in Game One, hasn't come out and said if he's gonna play. I personally don't think it matters if he plays. I think the Lakers lose tonight anyway. So when you hear this tomorrow on Thursday, you will know the result. I'm telling you now on Wednesday, I think the Lakers lose Game Two. And part of the reason is is because I'm gonna because I believe, and this has been something that I've noticed for a really long time now is that expectations matter. They do. Expectations matter. I have noticed it so much more in the last year. Guys getting far more credit than they deserve based on what previous expectations were. Guys doing things that we would look at and think, that's okay. That's all right, but because the expectation was so low, we, get, we praise it as he did great. The best example, as we talked about before, was Daniel Jones. If you look at Daniel Jones' season, if I told you this is the season that Aaron Rodgers had, you would say, oh, that's not good. If I said, look, this is what Justin Herbert did, you would say, oh, that's not good. But that's because those guys are expected to do more. But with Daniel Jones, you were expecting nothing. So when he gave you half a cookie, you said, I was expecting a crumb. This is is amazing. (laughs) And so in the NBA right now, Austin Reeves is being praised and is being talked about as if this guy is the most unbelievable player we've ever seen. He is being talked about as if, like, can you believe this is happening? And I would look and I would say, yeah, yeah, I can. I can believe that a player who spent four years in college has come into the NBA and is physically capable of playing and is mentally capable of playing and has a ton of hustle and is producing at a solid level. Yes, I can believe that a more mature guy, an adult coming into the NBA, not some 19-year-old kid who went to college for six months and played in NCAA and then came to the NBA and is now trying to figure. No, this this is a grown man. He went through four years of college, got his man body, came to the NBA last year, played a full NBA season, and then came into this year like, yeah, he's ready to go. What, he averaged 13 points a game this year? Like, yeah, that's about what I would expect from Austin Reeves. Like, your fourth option on the team? Good for him. But the expectations of Austin Reeves was, eh, whatever he gives you is nice, I guess. Just come in and get in the way. And so now that he's playing solid basketball, it's being overreacted to. It's an overreaction. And it reminds me, oddly, of uh, two players going far back. It reminds me of Matthew Vadova. Uh, the guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who played good defense. Who played? I shouldn't say that. That's belittling him. <laughs> he played well in a final series against Steph Curry. I think it was what 2015. Maybe he played well. He did good. He did. He had some games with really good defense. He hit some big shots. He was hustling all over the place. Like he played well. But because expectations were so low for this guy who we don't know or care about you, and let's face it, there's a racial component. There's a white guy. You don't expect a white guy to come in there and play that way in the NBA. We could say it, right? We're mature enough. That's the same thing that's going on with Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves is a white boy, he's a white guy from Oklahoma who wasn't drafted. And it's coming in and kind of crossing over and has some good moves and got a pretty good handle and is talking trash, I'm him, and it's like, whoa, we don't we don't expect that from him. So when he does it, we get overly impressed. But that's what happened with Matthew Delavadovo. We were so impressed, we were goo goo gaga over Delavidova. And eventually like he kinda like just once we expected it from him. He didn't change the way he played. He didn't perform any less. But we were expecting this great performance. And when he gave us the same performance we had just saw that we called great. Because we were expecting something. It wasn't enough anymore. And then everyone just kind of left Dele alone. Another guy reminds me of, oddly enough. I don't mean to make it racy. I don't mean to compare him just to white guys. But this is just what it feels like. In 2020 in the bubble. Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero was the talk of the town in the bubble. Everyone, oh, in that playoff, oh, everyone loved him. He's making, he's, made, he's mean mugging the camera. He's talking trash. This guy is great, blah, 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 blah. We loved him in the finals. Oh, we love this guy. Oh my God, he's so good. Coming into the next season, we were expecting something from him now. Coming into the next season, we were expecting Tyler Hero to be really good. And guess what he was? He was all right. But that's what he always was. He was all right. But because we didn't expect anything, when we got something, we magnified it and we overpraised it. And now Tyler Hero is still a good player. We just—he's just not what we were expecting him to be based on you know previous expectations. Now that there's expectations, him being good isn't good and isn't great anymore. Does that make sense? The how the scale moves. So Austin Reeves was expected to be a bad player, and because he's good. We now consider that to be great. It got elevated a notch above because it's so far above our expectations. But now that we're expecting Austin Reeves to be great and he's just good, we look at it like, ah, he's, he's not very good. Now, that's not fair to the player. So I'm going to say Austin Reeves, put it in perspective. He's a good basketball player. He is. He's, he's very similar to like Gordon Hayward, which is like a good basketball player. A really good basketball player. A guy who's going to contribute to your team. Like, great to have on your team. But would you call him a great player? Like, nah, not really. Not really. So I think Austin Reeves for the rest of the season with the magnifying glass on him. I think he's going to produce. The, I don't think he's going to get 23 points. I think the real story of the game is Rui Hachimura getting 29 points. I don't think he's doing that again. And everyone says, oh, do you think LeBron's going to have the game he had again? I do. I think he's going to have many games like that because you always remind me of how old LeBron is, that it's year 20, that he can't carry them anymore, that you need Anthony Davis now and Austin Reeves now to carry the load and da-da-da. Like, Yeah. Yeah, my point exactly. I think LeBron's going to have plenty of games like that where he just kind of doesn't, he don't really have it. He don't have that second gear anymore. And that comes with age and that's normal. So he's going to need these guys. And now that the sports world has all eyes on Austin Reeves, I think we're going to start to see Austin Reeves be Austin Reeves and the media be like, well, what happened to Austin Reeves? Nothing. You're just expecting something now. So calm down is, is, would be my message. Calm down, everybody. Austin Reeves is good. But let's let's take a chill pill, okay? Let's take a real real chill on the Austin Reeves is amazing thing because it, it's annoying. My hate meter is at like an all-time high. <laughs> I'm trying not to hate, but it's so hard not to just want to like present like push back against all this love. Like, he's all right. He's all right. Like, come on now. I've seen better. Well, who knows? Yeah, we'll see. It'll play out. Like I said, I, I think Memphis wins. I think Memphis wins game two. I think if John Morant doesn't play, I think Memphis actually does better. I think it's one of those things where sometimes there are certain teams where when you have your guy, you kind of lean on him too much. And then when he's not there, you, everyone else kind of elevates their game. I think Memphis is kind of like that. Plus, I think Memphis has been hearing for the last few days how great the Lakers are, how great the Lakers are, how great the Lakers are. And, I think, and they've been hearing how great Austin Reeves is. And I think this game, they're going to come out with one mission and one mission only. We shutting down Austin Reeves. And I'm interested to see how the Lakers combat that. I'm interested to see how physical this series gets. I'm interested to see if the trash talk kind of like escalates. And we'll see. And we're going to find out soon enough. That's happening tonight. What happens tomorrow? Like, hit me up on social media. Let me know what happened. We could talk about it. (laughs) I want to transition now into boxing because this Saturday, April 22nd, is a massive fight between Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. Massive fight. Two undefeated fighters. Two really good fighters. Two guys in their prime. Alright. Two guys in their prime. Two mega fighters. Now. There's a couple things about this fight that make it so fascinating and so interesting to me. Number one. Whenever I see a guy going after a fight. Like going after it so hard. There's only. In my mind there's only two reasons you would do that. Number one. It's a big payday attached to that fight and you want that money. And so you are doing whatever you have to do, whatever you can do to get to that money. Or two, you saw something or you see something in that fighter that you say, I can expose that and I can beat him. And you know, it's there and you see in every fight he has, you say, there it is. There it is. There it is. And you see that flaw. You see that glitch. And you're like, I can take advantage of that and beat this guy. Those are the only two reasons you would go after a fight that hard. In my mind, that's what, in my experience, that's what I feel like, that's what I see. And Ryan Garcia has been calling for a Tank Davis fight for a very long time. A few years now. And everyone's always said, oh, Ryan Garcia ain't ready. Ryan Garcia ain't fighting nobody. Ryan Garcia ain't do this. And I keep going back to, yeah, but he wants that fight. And I don't think it's the money because Ryan Garcia gets paid good money. Ryan Garcia sells out the crypt in California all the time. Ryan Garcia has massive following. Like it's one of the things that people, you know, give him so much pushback for is that he's got such a big social media following and people watch Ryan Garcia, but he hasn't really done anything and they love him. And it's like, yeah, it's like a little bit of hate, but I would just say like, he's been wanting this fight. <laughs> now, I don't think it's the money. Cause as I said, like he's got money. Like he can go fight somebody else for a good payday. Like he don't need like he don't need Tank Davis to be like this. You know, not saying it's not going to be good money because it will be. But what I'm saying is he can make a bunch of money fighting a bunch of nobodies. But for whatever reason, he wants this fight in particular, and I think it's because he sees something in Tank Davis that he feels like he can take advantage of and he can win. And I think for him. He feels like he's got to prove. He wants to also prove something. Not only to the world, but to himself. And I think what people keep underestimating is... Every single boxer fights a whole bunch of nobodies. A whole bunch of journeymen. A whole bunch of guys who were like... They were okay. Their names. And then you start to move up the list. And you fight the next guy who's like... Oh, this guy is... He's a little better. He's a step up in competition. Until eventually you get... The big test. And when you get that big test, how do you handle it? Right? I bring that up to say because everyone was giving Tank Davis the advantage because, you know, he's more experienced. Look at who he's fought. He's just better. Ryan Garcia hasn't fought anybody. He's never been tested. Blah, blah, blah. And I would say at some point, Tank Davis was in the same boat and he got his big test and he conquered it. Right? Right? So Ryan Garcia, we won't know until we know. But the boxing community, we got to stop knocking guys for not having that big test yet when they're on the doorstep of that big test. Ryan Garcia is getting the big test against Tank Davis. It's a big test. And believe it or not, it's a big test for Tank Davis too. Ryan Garcia is the best fighter that Tank Davis has fought to date. He's, he's the best one. He's the best one. He's the biggest challenge. Tank Davis is the biggest challenge Ryan Garcia has fought to this date. So who they fought before doesn't matter except for experience. Might play a factor if it goes late. If Tank Davis gets into some trouble, he's been there before. He kind of might not react the same way that Garcia may react kind of funky. He's never been there. But that's okay. Ryan Garcia wants this fight. And I think the one thing we've got we to stop underestimating is his toughness his willingness to fight and even if he loses even if he goes in there and gets knocked out most of the boxing community is going to say see he's trash and I'm going to look at it and say let's see what he does let's see how he comes back let's see how he comes back because somebody's got to lose right if tank davis loses his fight or if tank davis gets knocked out like do I look at it like he's any lesser of a fighter no this is this is this is a sport. This is what happens. Guys lose, guys win like you know what I mean? I think this fight is I think this fight is going to be tremendous. I think this fight is exciting. I think not only for the landscape of boxing to say like you have the best fighting the best. You got young guys fighting young guys. You got these guys not ducking each other and what this could do going forward if the if the if the revenue is there if they sell out if they sell a bunch of pay-per-views if this fight is covered in a massive way like i think it could do a lot for boxing and not in the Jake Paul do a lot for boxing way but no these are real boxers who are going to give you a high level fight has the potential to transform the sport into We're just going to have the best fight the best and just make great entertaining fights, similar to what the UFC does. It could change the landscape of boxing. So that's exciting on its own. But it's also exciting because you have two guys who really want to fight each other, who understand that this is their biggest test, who are obviously taking it serious, who are obviously committed to it, and are going to try to beat each other. I don't think either one of these guys is going to go in there and try to just win. I think they're gonna try to beat each other. Like Ryan Garcia wants to beat Tank Davis, and Tank Davis wants to beat Ryan Garcia. None of them want to get out of there with like a really close, controversial decision, right? And I think so. I think the type of fight you're gonna get is a fight that is reflective of I have to go beat this guy, and that's exciting. Now, my prediction. Now, my prediction is gonna is, is. Let me say this. I'm gonna tell you what my prediction is and then I'm going to tell you why and how I came to that conclusion cuz I'm not just saying it. I think Ryan Garcia wins by decision. I think split decision he wins. Here's why. Let me start with the let me start with the Ryan Garcia side of why I think he's going to win by decision, mind you, split decision. So it's going to be close. It's going to be a close fight. I think he wins because I think there is uh, an un an unspoken unknown factor of how bad somebody wants something. I think Ryan Garcia wants this so bad that Tank Davis is going to have to like hurt him in a way that it is impossible for him to recover from. I don't think that he can knock Ryan Garcia down and Garcia not get back up. Like if he has a choice, I don't think he's gonna fold. In other words, like obviously he can knock him out cold and then there's nothing you could do. He can knock him out and then Garcia stumbling all over the place and the ref stops the fight. That's not his fault. That's not what I mean. I mean, like he's not going to knock him down and then Garcia is just going to fold up and say, well, now I'm going to run and hide for the rest of the fight and just try to survive. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Ryan Garcia is the type of guy who will go out on his shield and say, if you're going to beat me, I, I'd rather you kill me in this ring than run around and just try to survive. To walk away with some sort of moral victory. I think in the Luke Campbell fight, which everyone keeps pointing to, look, Luke Campbell dropped him. And I hit way harder than Luke Campbell. Like, yeah, but Luke Campbell, that was a flash knockdown. I don't think he was hurt. And what happened once he got back up? He attacked Luke Campbell from that point till the moment he knocked him out with the body shot. He didn't back up. He didn't run. He didn't try to get his wits. He went right after him and said, you know what? If I'm going to lose, I'm, I'm going out trying to hurt you. And if you knock me out and end this, then fine. But like, I am not trying. I'm going, I'm fighting you now. All that boxing technique will look pretty. I'm fight Now it's a, I'm fighting you. And I think Garcia has shown that multiple times that he's willing to just fight. He will fight. I think he's one of those guys that's been called a pretty boy, that's been called soft, that's been called, oh, he's too into social media. And I think in his brain, I think he knows, like, I'm I i will. I'm willing to die for this. I will do whatever I can. I will fight to my death to prove to everybody, to myself, that I, I'm willing to go there. And I think for that reason, he is going to fight Tank Davis. I think he's going to withstand the barrage i think he's going to be able to withstand the crowd noise crowd pressure i think he's going to be able to stick to a game plan i think he's going to be super focused hyper focused on this and deliver his best performance because of how badly he wants to do it now locked in he is on it number two i think his height i think his size i think his hand speed i think the way he fights i think how quickly that check hook comes out I think it's going to make Tank Davis very gun shy in terms of I don't think Tank is going to be willing to take as many chances as he would with another guy. Because I think of how quick Garcia is, how accurate he can be, and how powerful it is. So I think he's going to be a little hesitant to where he's not going to – Tank Davis isn't going to have those shots to just – I'm just going for it. And I think that's going to play into Garcia's hands where he's going to be able to eat up a bunch of rounds – doing things like that while tank tries to figure out what's the best way to get in there now let's go to the tank side of it of why i think garcia is going to win i think i've noticed something in tank in the last few fights that i also noticed in uh, canelo and it's an interesting thing that happens and it is falling in love with your power so in reference to canelo i noticed with Canelo. I started noticing in a lot of his fights, he started knocking guys out. And after that, his strategy became the same in every fight. Look at the uh, Billy Joe Saunders fight. I'm not going to try to box you. I'm going to walk you down. I'm going to hit you with power shots. And eventually, you are going to break. He got the knockout. Look at Caleb Plant. I'm not going to try to outbox you. I'm going to walk you down, hit you with power shots, knock you out. Look at the Callum Smith. I'm not going to box you. I'm going to walk you down, hit you with power shots, knock you out. What did he do against b Tried to walk him down, hit him with power shots until he could break him down and knock him out. And b was too big, too strong, wasn't having it. Plan didn't work. Lost the fight. If you get into the belief of, oh, I can knock everybody out. I can knock these guys out. I got power. I got power. You notice it with Tank, too. Tank in the Leo Santa Cruz fight was probably losing that fight. He was taking a lot of punches in that fight, a lot of abuse in that fight. But he knew, I'm going to catch this guy. I'm going to break him down and I'm going to knock him out. That's what he knew. In the Roley fight, he was just biding his time, waiting, finding the opening. Boom, knocked him out. In the last fight he had, he was losing that fight. Walked him down, knocked him out. So I think in this fight against Garcia. So because he's so confident in his power. Because he has that belief. And you know what? Like in round 8, 9, or 10. Like you're going to be so fatigued and so tired from me stalking you down. And you being defensive that I'm going to catch you. Which means he's willing to give up early rounds. Like Tank will give up the first 4 or 5 rounds. And at that point if you have a 5 round lead. Like, you ain't got to do much the rest of the fight to win that fight. And so that's why I think, that's for me, that's the biggest reason that Tank will lose by decision, by close decision, is because I think he's going to give away too many rounds because he's going to be prepping for that power shot and looking for that power shot. Also, like I said, with Garcia's quick hands and his quick counters, I think it's going to make Tank a little more cautious. So I think the game plan is, I think Tank is going to try to get Ryan to throw his check left. And he's going to try to gauge the speed on it. And once he gauges the speed on it or feels the power, he's going to engage. And I think Ryan Garcia knows this. And Ryan Garcia is probably going in there with a different game plan. I bet you the right hand probably plays more of a part than you would think. Because everyone keeps keying keying in on that left hook. I like Ryan Garcia to win a close decision on points. um, Primarily because of. The distance he could keep Tank at. If he keeps Tank at a distance and throws that jab and just is more active, I think he could steal a bunch of rounds. I think that Tank is going to be hesitant. I think Tank is also going to be super patient. And I think he's going to take, be patient one too many rounds, which is going to make the difference. I like a 115-113 or a 116-112 type of fight. A fight that's very competitive. A fight that we will be saying, let's see a rematch. I think there's going to be moments in this fight where there is a fire fight breaks out. But I think both guys can take a punch. I think both guys can deliver a punch. I think both guys are aware of each other's power, and I think there's an immense amount of respect there. I think it's going to be a very competitive fight, very fun to watch. But I like Garcia to edge it on the scorecards. And I don't know why everybody keeps talking about knockout. Like boxing, there's there's it's so annoying to me because boxing has been reduced to. Who's gonna win? I think he's gonna win by knockout. Or oh, I think he's gonna win by knockout. I think he's gonna win by knockout. Nobody ever says somebody can win on points. Like there's more to boxing than just a knockout. Like there's other outcomes to a fight than a knockout. Ugh. I'm not. That, that's a side. This is this is great for boxing. So going from something that is great for boxing to something that is terrible for boxing, or not even boxing at all, uh, we have to do it. You know it's coming. You knew it was coming when it was announced. I have to give you my take on it because I have to be fair. I have to be objective. I have to be honest. Jake Paul has announced his next fight, his next opponent. It is against Nate Diaz. When? I don't care. Where? I also don't care. Am I going to watch it? I'm, I am I want to say no. <laughs> but I know I'm going to end up watching it. Uh, but I'm not going to pay for it. I'm going to go to somebody's house and, and they're going to have paid for it. And I'm going to be like, oh, you got, oh, you bought this? Oh, cool. I'll watch it with you. I'm not paying a dime for this. Why this means something to me at all. I'll tell you why it means something to me. After the fight against Tommy Fury, when he lost, I came in and I said, look, I can support Jake Paul. If Jake Paul comes out from this fight and and gets back in the ring and starts like saying, you know what? Like. I want to get better, I want to challenge myself, and starts fighting boxers, and and kind of starts to shade away from that celebrity, that misfits boxing, that YouTube influencer boxing thing, and gets back to, and like continues just to now, like, I fought those guys, I fought Tommy, who's an entry-level boxer, I'm either going to fight Tommy again, or I'm going to move up and try to fight somebody else, like, he fights at cruiserweight, there's a million of them. There's a million cruiserweights you could fight. You don't have to fight anybody that's great, but fight a cruiserweight. I said if he were to do that, that would say a lot about he really is. He really is committed to to boxing. He really wants to be a good boxer. He really wants this. It means everything to him. He's committed to it. And you know what? I would be right. I would. I would. I can't tell you how quickly I would switch from I hate Jake Paul to I'm rooting for Jake Paul. Let's go. I'm on, I'm team Paul. Or he could go run right back to fighting retired MMA guys, um, fighting YouTubers, fighting celebrity. He could do all that and just make his money. And that would say a lot to me too, that he's really not about the sport, that he really just found a way to make money and and get out some frustration and uh, a, a way to build self-confidence. And to to physically be in shape and all that stuff. And that's all it is for him. And he chose. He chose Nate Diaz. Do you think he chose Nate Diaz because he thinks he can't beat Nate Diaz? Do you think he chose Nate Diaz because that would be a really good challenge in the ring? Do you think he chose Nate Diaz because Nate Diaz presents the toughest test for him? No. No, he didn't. He chose Nate Diaz because he got his ass whooped by Tommy Fury. Someone who boxes. And someone he knows. See, Jake knows Tommy Fury is not very good, and I I be lost to him. If I try to go fight these other boxers, like man, it, it, there's guys that are better than him. Like I can't I can't beat them. And he knows if his next fight is against someone like let's say Hasim Rahman Jr., who I don't even think is that good either, but he ain't beating him either. And if he loses to him, well now there's two boxers you faced, two boxers you lost to. The entire world, even your fans, are gonna say. Ah, Jake, you're not good at this. So he knows he can't do that. And his best option is what? What does he want? Money. So now I can go fight Nate Diaz. We're going to talk a bunch of trash. The the the, the lead up is going to be amazing. He's going to be talking trash. I'm talking trash. He's got his fans. I got my fans. This is like the UFC dude who like everybody says, nah, he's about it. He's about it. You're probably going to get into a little scuffle at some of the press conferences. I promise you somebody put hands on somebody. He's going to push... Uh, Nate or Nate's going to push him like it's going to happen like it's going to the build up and the lead up and the promotion is going to be insane the pay-per-view numbers are probably going to be super high he's going to win the fight because who really thinks that Nate Diaz is going to be a good boxer nobody like we already know the outcome and we know what it's for it's for the money now I would again like I said I don't have a problem either way but just call a spade a spade and be that commit to that Stop doing things like calling out Canelo and saying that you could beat Canelo. No, you can't. Does anyone, does anyone have doubts anymore? No? Okay, thanks. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Stop saying things like you want to be a world championship boxer. You don't because there is a way to get there. There is a road you can take and you are not taking it. The WBC literally told you if you beat Tommy, we're ranking you. And if we rank you, you could fight up the ranks, and you can get yourself into a title fight. Here's the roadmap. You lost. You know what the WBC would probably do now? If you fought a real cruiserweight, they would probably rank you if you won that fight too. And there's the roadmap. You're choosing, I don't want to take that road. I'm going to go over here. So stop saying things like you want to be a championship boxer because you don't you would take a fight with a championship boxer for a belt but you not you don't want to put in the work to get there you don't want to earn it you want to, if you get if you're given the shot you'll take it sure but you don't want to have to earn it you don't want to put in the work to earn that title shot and that's why boxers and boxing fans have always been mad at Jake don't come into this sport and not actually fully participate in the sport like you're not really fighting boxers you're not really boxing you're doing like celebrity things and then claim that you're one of us You're not. Stop doing that. Stop claiming that you're here for the sport because you're not. Because again, you're all about boxing, but yet you're giving an ex-UFC fighter his biggest payday. You're giving him his biggest exposure. You're not giving a boxer that. You're not taking a lower level boxer and saying, hey, I'm going to give him his biggest payday. I'm going to give back to the sport that has given so much to me by giving these boxers, people who are in this world, these opportunities. No, you're going outside to give it to somebody else. You're going to your real love UFC, which is why he signed that that fight promotion, right? With the with the uh, I don't even remember what the stupid company was, but where he's supposed to be doing some MMA fights as well. Like, yeah, this is part of it. He's gonna fight Nate in the ring, win, then they're gonna go into the you know the cage and they're gonna fight in MMA and he's gonna lose, and then they're gonna have a grudge match and it's like it's just like three fights for money. Like, that's all it is. It's just a money play. And if that's the case, then fine. More power to you. But stop pretending like it's something that it isn't. Also, my issue with it is ESPN covers Jake Paul as if he is a professional boxer. As if he is someone who is actually contributing to boxing. They don't cover KSI. They don't cover Salt Poppy. They don't cover Slim. Slim Reaper, is that his name? Slim? I don't remember. They don't cover these guys. Dr. Mike? Is that is that a guy? Are these people? I feel like I'm naming real people. They, they don't follow them. They don't post their fights up or their results or give them the platform or have their fights on ESPN. Like They don't do that because they don't acknowledge that as being real boxing. But for whatever reason, Jake Paul, they acknowledge as being a real boxer, even though he's doing the same exact thing that they're doing. So ESPN, you got to stop covering it like this is a sports worthy event, as, as if this is worthy of ESPN Airways. It's not. And everyone just needs to be honest and open and, and confess and say what it is. And let's live with what it is. And I could be fine with it. Jake Paul can make a whole living, a whole career fighting UFC guys and celebrities and YouTubers and have a great time. I told you that celebrity boxing thing is fun to watch from time to time. It's fun. Those are guys who were at a certain level fighting other guys at an equal level, talking trash to each other, having fun, fighting, and then doing it. But they're on on—they're all of the same level. They're not doing what Jake does, which is I'm going to work with higher level, get to a higher level where I should be fighting here. But I'm going to take all of that skill and knowledge and preparation and bring it way down here and fight these guys who are not qualified to be in the ring with me. That's where I have the problem with it. That's my time, y'all. Look, we've, we've been talking long enough right we've been talking long enough we got into it look i appreciate y'all for coming through again this week we'll be back again next week well i don't even know if i said did i just mumble that whole thing we will be back again next week uh actually next thursday next episode will be actual draft day So, next week, I'm just going to give you guys a heads up. It's going to be very draft heavy. I'm going to be going over. I might do a whole full first round mock draft. I don't know. We might do a mock draft live on air. I'm going to tell you what I think the Cowboys should do. I'm going to look at other spots in the draft. And we're just going to do a bunch of draft stuff, as well as talk about some NBA, I'm sure. Talk about some other stuff going on in the world of sports. But uh, it is draft day. So, happy draft day to you guys. Uh, I might, you know what? Maybe I'll even put out just a special episode doing draft stuff. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll have a regular show and then I, this is behind the scenes stuff I'm sharing with y'all <laughs> listen I'll let y'all get out of here I gotta get out of here I appreciate y'all for coming through again follow me on all social media at cyber underscore pod. that's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D I love interacting with you guys uh, let's keep growing the family I will see you guys next week